in the building in the house y'all look good you do you have all changed everyone has lost weight and we're good it's good to be together isn't it there are other people trying to believe and trust in Jesus just like you 
And there's been lots, lots happen. Amen? Lots happening in our world. Lots happening in our community, in our families. And lots happening in here. And it is good to be together. We need to hear each other. We need to give each other fake high fives or what, whatever you're going to do. Everyone I've seen already says, I don't care. Some of you do care, and that's okay. So we want to welcome you this morning. We are in, in church, and we are the church. And let's just take time right now to just pause, center, remember, focus, relax. Father, we thank you for today. Just like we've said almost every week, we want to open our hands and our heart, our minds, our pockets, our futures, our families. We take the grip off again and we say again that You are God. That You are sovereign God. That You are a good God. That You are a smart God. And that we are not that we cannot manipulate everything. We're finding that out. Like maybe we start to believe. So we open ourselves again. We want to be a good offering to You today. Whether we sing loud or not, Father, may we be a good offering to You as we remember to fix our eyes on You, the author and perfecter and sustainer of our faith. Father, continue to challenge us and change us into the people that You want us to be. And we all say this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've been playing some songs for you. I don't know if you've been watching, if you've been drinking coffee, if you've been in the bathroom. We don't know what you've been doing at home. I do want you to know here, we have turned it way up. That's been the only good thing about, you know, hardly anyone in the house. Pastor Tim has learned to dance. He has been dancing. But I just want to tell you, we've been playing songs. Some of these are going to feel new to you. And we've just been doing what we've been doing. So here we are. Sing along. Sing loud. Here we go. Called alive and breathing. Hold your heart, stirs your soul. What matters come to mind. The cares you keep, the thoughts you think. It's not all wasted time. Seeking you will find. Choice still comes in the morning. Hope, Hope still walks with the hurting. You're still alive and breathing. Praise the Lord. Don't stop. Lord. Don't stop dancing. 
just pictured what the throne room is going to be like? Do you think you're going to stand there or do you think, I'm going to be flat faced. I'm going to be down. <laughs> I won't be able to, to look up for a while, but it is going to be awesome. And we get a little practice right now to get ready for that, which is such an honor. I, I don't know about you guys, but I have really thought about since we couldn't get together, how privileged we are to be able to get together and worship the King of Kings. We have a huge, big God that is involved in our lives. And I know for me, it has awoken my spirit to where I realize I'm not worshiping good enough. <laughs> I need to tell him that I am so glad that he has given and chosen me and, and allowed me to worship him because I'm not worthy to, but I get to. 
and so do you. And now we get to come back together. And now it's, it means even more because even those, those countries that aren't allowed to freely worship, we get that chance. So I'm so glad to see all your faces. I have pictured you behind that screen. And that camera back there is just not, it doesn't do you justice <laughs> at all. Does it sound better in person? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I will say, too, I just want to make a quick comment. When you're singing, is your glasses fogging up? Because mine always fog up. So good luck. With the mask song, We need to make yeah. a little vent. It's a new song. Well, maybe kind of. Not really. Good Western Colorado. Shame is a prison as cruel as the grave. Shame is a robber, and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. Love is the power when my freedom song is down. There ain't no
a battle, a war between death and life. And there on a tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. And he went down on the hell, he took back every key. He rose up as a lion. your knees 
You may be seated just for a minute. I don't know about you, but I'm hot. I'm having a heat flash or something. They made me wear this T-shirt. I got all dressed up for you, and they made me wear a T-shirt, so I apologize. We could put you in the robe that Pastor Tim was wearing if you want to wear that one. <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to be remiss, and, and I know we've, we're probably um, ad nauseum tired of, of the news, period. Tired of quarantining and COVIDing and all the racial injustice and and honestly, as a white man in Woodland Park, I don't know what to think. I don't. I, I don't. And I hope that we can all learn some humility, that we can listen, shut up, stop arguing. I think this is a time to remember who we follow. We want to love and we want justice. We want to follow. We want to stop talking because we don't really understand. It's good to be together. And I think as that song just said, um, I need you. And I, I talked to a friend this week and it went kind of like everything's going on. It's totally out of control in our nation and then totally out of control in their home. Their kids feel way out of control. Their finances feel out of control. Are you there today? Is there any part of you that is there today? That you have lost it in many, many ways. And I think God's put us all through a season that we have got to figure out sometimes in isolation how to seek Him, how to listen for Him, and how to trust Him. If we're all honest, some of us are really tired of living together all the time. And I think we're at a good place this morning just to rest and focus and remember to lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up to Jesus. Ask Him how to change you. I think He's changing our country. He's changing our world. Can we just let Him be, be Lord? Open yourself up to Him.
talk to him.
I'll just say one of his names. Abba Father, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. What else? He is good. He's so big, he has that many names, more than I can even remember. We have a big God. We have one that's in control, and this world is out of control, and he's calling his people back to his feet. So that way we recognize how awesome he is, how big he is, that he's got this, that this is not a surprise to him, but he wants us ready. It is time for us to step up and and just go to him and lean into him like we've never leaned into him before. Because we can't fix things, but he can and he will. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you're here and I'm grateful that he has descended on this place today. Hi, Scott. (laughs) I'm going to hand this over to Scott now for the graduates. All right. If we could have our graduates, our families of graduates, come on down. we got some new uh, altars here. You guys can take your place here. Come on down. Come on down. All families. We have four high school graduates and two college graduates we want to recognize today. But first we want to, want you guys face this way. We're going to enter into a time of prayer um, for the families to be able to come around these graduates, lay hands, and pray for them in their days ahead. So you guys join with me um, in praying for these guys. Let's pray. Lord, we want to lift you up. First and foremost, think about Peter walking on the water and having his eyes fixed on Jesus. And when that was happening, everything was all good. Lord, I feel like maybe as a world, maybe as a nation, we've lost that gaze. We've lost that stare. And what happens then is we start to sink. But Lord, let us be reminded that that's, that's what it takes, keeping our eyes transfixed. And when we f- fix our eyes on you, Lord, we as a church, as a Christian body, we can rise above. We can be above the anxiety, the stress, the tension, the stir-craziness. Let us keep our eyes fixed on you in these days ahead. And I pray a special prayer for these graduates. That they do just that in these days ahead. That as they walk these days ahead with more freedom, maybe a new town, a new city, whatever is in store for them, it's going to seem and feel different. And it may feel like it's water underneath their feet, but Lord, we know that you guide and direct the paths of those who look to you. Just like Peter, you even had him walk on water. And I pray that these days ahead for them, I pray peace for them. I pray direction for them, clarity. 
I pray courage over them in the days ahead where they have to make probably bigger decisions than they've ever had to make in their lives. We have two types of graduates here represented, but both are in the same kind of boat where they need your direction, they need your guidance, they need your power. It may feel like out of sorts, and I do pray that this can be a time of excitement, and I pray that is it for them, that, that they're just chomping at the bit to get out and um, find who they are in you, Lord. That they can find their identity in who you are and who you have made them to be. Give them strength in the days ahead where it doesn't necessarily feel the same, but let them know that you're there and your presence is always with them, walking side by side with them. Give them that peace. And I pray that we as a church family can lift them up in the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead, that we will be your body to them, lifting them up in prayer, maybe helping them out with what they may need. Um, We pray that we can be your church body for these graduates in the days ahead. And finally, I want to pray that your love be with them, most of all. That their sense of your presence and of your love never fades, and it only grows stronger as they walk closer to you. Give them strength and power to keep their eyes transfixed on you in the days ahead. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. We'll have the uh, graduates come on up here just for a little bit. You know, I think it's been a very obviously awkward time to be a senior or senior in college. And so these guys deserve a little recognition. So can we give these guys a huge hand of applause? Yeah, keep it going. Keep it going. That's right. You can you get you guys are doing great. Keep it going. You got it. All right. Well, again, just as a reminder, guys, you now see the faces of the guys you need to be praying for. Um, you guys can take a seat. But uh, please be in prayer for these guys in the days, weeks, and months ahead. Uh, one quick announcement for the youth. Here in two weeks, we will, on Father's Day, we'll have a silent auction fundraiser. Um, booths will be set up in the lobby. A lot of great things up for bidding that's going to help these youth uh, accounts for all the teens for upcoming events throughout the year. Um, but also we will be sending a portion to our adopted Mission Field and Zuni, their county is one of the worst in the nation and thus the world for positive cases. So we will be sending a portion of those proceeds from the fundraiser in two weeks' time to Zuni to help them out and help our youth group out. So come on out, um, bid on some great things. Um, That's in two weeks. The bidding will start at 9 a.m. in the morning. We'll announce winners after the service. Right now we got a slideshow for all of our seniors, so enjoy.
All aboard! Hello, WLC kids! It is that time of year for our vacation Bible school. It is all about Jesus powering us to pull us through. Our VBS is going to be four consecutive Monday nights. July 20th, July 27th, August 3rd, and then we'll be wrapping up our Royal Roadway of a Time on August 10th. Registration will be from 5 p.m. until 5.15 p.m., with the fun time happening from then until 8.10 at night. If you would like to register your kiddos, ages four years old, clear up to fifth grade, we will have registration forms available out at the registration table. Speaking of registration table, for all of those adults and teens out there who would like to help volunteer to make this a great time for all of our WLC passengers and guests, we would love for you to come out and sign up for different things that you can do out at the table in the main lobby area. It's going to be a great time where we get to share in how Jesus powers us to trust in Him no matter what's going on in our lives and also to celebrate what He has done for us. Get on board, everybody. It's time for Vacation Bible School. Well, great. Do you know how good you look from up here? You look awesome. I have missed you. I've been here like 10 or 12 weeks, and I don't even know who you folks are. You, Some of you, at least, have watched on your computer or whatever, but man, to look into your faces. And I'm thinking we should spread the chairs out like this every week because it looks so full when they're spread out like this. It looks great. I'm so glad you're here today. And I have to confess to you that there is adrenaline pumping through me today. And I don't know if that'll make me talk faster, and some of you are saying I pray that it does so we can get out of here sooner, but uh, I'm just excited to be able to see you again. I thought, if they don't do something with this COVID-19 thing, there's going to be a new pastor here, and I won't even have had opportunity to look at you, and I'm glad I have opportunity today. If you have a Bible with you, you might turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And I'll read uh, the first verse and part of the second, but listen to what it says. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around Him was so large that He got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things in parables. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're reading the Bible, it's just a short phrase or one sentence that captures your attention and drives home some wonderful lesson? I was reading in 2 Kings chapter 11 this week, and I stumbled across this phrase where it says, stay close to the king wherever he goes. And I thought to myself, there's a sermon there. Somewhere down the road, I'm going to find a sermon out of that phrase, stay close to the king wherever he goes. 
But have you also noticed that how often Jesus can share a parable in just a sentence or two? Mark chapter 4 begins with a small phrase that I continue to be drawn back to in different ways. If you have a King James Version, how many of you here today have a King James Version of the Bible in your hand right now? (laughs) Well, then you're going to have to take my word for it, aren't you? In the King James Version, the first four words of verse 1 say, and he began again. Speaking of Jesus, and he began again. When reading this biblical phrase, there are two things that are important. The first is to realize that Jesus had changed the location of his teaching, of his ministry. He was no longer exclusively teaching in the synagogue. Now he is teaching by a lake or on a mountainside or someplace else where more people could gather. He had tried the more orthodox approach, but now he was willing to explore some unusual places where he might teach people. The second thing you notice there is that he changed his methodology. He chose now to speak in parables. And a parable can be thought of as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. You see, when he was teaching in the synagogue, people would stick around until the end because they had to. You see, you, you do. You, when you're in here, you're kind of trapped. You have to stay Well, you feel like you do until I get to the benediction. Otherwise, you think people are going to wonder why I'm leaving. But when he was teaching by the lake, he had to do something different because at the lake, people can just wander away. They go back down by the shore. They're down there where somebody's cooking brats. They're smelling the food and they're moving away. There's a picnic going on somewhere. And so he decided that he would change his methodology and he did that by beginning to tell stories. So everything changed. He changed his location and he changed the methodology. He began again. And it somehow encourages me to see that even Jesus faced those moments in life when he had to start over Because I've certainly had to do that. And it encourages me to see this glimpse of His humanity. That everything Jesus tried didn't get the results He desired. I can identify with that. Can you? Does it help you to realize that even Jesus on occasion hit a dead end and had to step back and reevaluate His approach? And he began again. And we too come to those points in in life, as well as in a church, where we have to evaluate where we are, what we're doing, whether or not it's working. And it also reminds me that much of life is cyclical. By that I mean there are occasions when we just need a fresh start, a new approach, a new angle, even a new commitment. And as a church... We are there. Through no action of our, through no fault of our own, we've been brought to the point of a new beginning. We didn't ask Pastor Brian to leave. He just up and did it on his own. And put us all in this situation. He's off with a new beginning. He's given us an opportunity for a new one as well. 
but perhaps we're there as individuals also. You see, life teaches us about beginning again. We are conditioned to have these moments of a fresh start. Life itself teaches us that lesson. It's a rule of nature. We see it every spring when those aspen trees finally decide to begin to bud. And there's new hope. And the flowers begin to come up and they begin to bloom and the grass begins to turn green. And there is that something that comes over us which is feeling like something new is happening. It's a fresh beginning. It's also a rule of love. Every time we say, I love you, to that person that is so special to us, it is reaffirming, it is restating our affection. It's like starting over. It's like going back to the very first time when you said those words. It's also a rule of spiritual growth, this thing of beginning again. In our little tribe, the Church of the Nazarene, so often across the decades, our emphasis has been on the crisis experiences. And by that I mean the moment when we're born again or the moment when we're sanctified holy. And in the process, it seems to me as though we have neglected to talk about growth. And the fallout from that is that we have often remained spiritual infants. I like Proverbs 3.6. Do you remember this? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Sometimes the Lord slips up beside you and He asks you, how have you been doing with that? What Lord? How have you been doing with that thing about Proverbs 3, 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And sometimes you've had to say, well, Lord, I'm, I, I haven't done too well. I've trusted in me. I've trusted in my ability to provide for my family. I've trusted in my job. I've trusted in the government to get me through this COVID thing. Trusted in my friends. I've trusted in my family. But I'm not sure that I've been trusting in you very much. Lord, I need to begin again. And folks, let me tell you something. It's no sin to acknowledge that you need a fresh start. And when we confess that and ask for that, God ignites our personality. By that I mean there is fresh light. There is new joy. And right now, as a church... It is a matter of trusting that God knows what He's doing. And if He does, though we lost a pastor several months ago, we can lean into the sense of excitement that God has something wonderfully compelling in our future as well. Let me stop just a moment and tell you something different than a sermon. I just had this impression that when I had people in here, I would get a little more help with a sermon. I'm getting nothing from you this morning. I might as well be preaching to that camera back there again. 
If you know how to say amen once in a while, it's okay. Okay. Now don't forget it. Now, where was I? We have to be a church that carries a sense of anticipation. The question becomes, are we enduring transition or are we expecting transformation? I want to talk to you a bit this morning about a new pastor coming. This entire experience of calling a new pastor has been new to many of you. And even if you have called a new pastor sometimes in the past, it's been a while. And if you've attended this church for 15 years, you haven't called a pastor in 15 years. You've only had one. And you've forgotten how the process works, as flawed as the process may be. Or you you perhaps come from a different denomination or a different independent church and you've never gone through the process before. But now we all have. And the process has unfolded. And a new pastor has been called. And now we wait and we anticipate this new beginning, this fresh start. And he began again. And now... The choice is once again in our hands. I want to talk to you for a moment, candidly. Did they used to say, like a Dutch uncle? You know what that means? I I want to tell you some hard stuff. Let me say it again. The choice is yours. Now that the ballots have been counted and the votes have been announced, The choice is yours. Do you stay? Or are you thinking about maybe moving along? Because if you are thinking about going to another church, there is no shortage of churches to choose from in our little town. Churches that are larger, churches that are smaller, churches with more majestic buildings and greater income, churches with more sophisticated production value, and churches with more impressive legacy. And maybe you've been thinking about shopping around. And if so, I'm just telling you, this would certainly be the perfect time to do so before the new guy gets here. Because you see, if you decide to go now, You won't have to have that conversation with the new pastor. That awkward conversation that no matter how you try to phrase it to his ears, it always sounds like you don't meet our needs. You don't scratch where we itch. You don't live up to our expectations. We're not being fed. So, we're bailing. Or, you could, and I assume you all will, you could make the decision to at least give the new guy a chance. To give him time to settle in and find his way and at least meet you. 
You might even decide to give him six months. That'd be magnanimous. And you, you can afford six months. You're not going to lose your salvation in six months. And that choice to give him time, that would be my hope that as a congregation, we would make the decision that His success is our responsibility. Let me tell you something about most pastors that maybe no one has ever told you before. You find something to affirm Him about, and He'll walk through a wall for you. But you get hypercritical and fault-finding and nitpicking about everything he does, a shell will grow around him. Because that makes us pastors feel like we can never win. And he began again. Do you remember the story in Exodus chapter 17 where Joshua was sent into battle down in a valley below and Moses was up on the top of a hill? And two other guys were with him, Aaron and her. And as long as Moses held up his arms, Joshua and the troops below were winning. But when Moses got tired and couldn't hold his arms up any longer, Joshua's troops began to fail. So what happened? Aaron and her took on the responsibility, and they rolled a rock over there for Moses to sit on. And then they came alongside him, and they held his arms up so that victory would be assured. You could decide that you will lift up Pastor Matt's arms with prayer and encouragement. Listen, I want to tell you something else you don't know. This new pastor is stepping into a most difficult assignment. You say, how is that? We're a good church. We're, we're, and you are. But here's the thing. To follow a long-term pastor who was very successful, who raised a church that was on life support from the dead, that pastor will always be a hero to many. And let me tell you, I know what it feels like to step into a church like that. Because when I accepted the invitation to pastor at Denver First Church, I followed two legends. The first was Dr. Don Wellman. His ministry there started in 1968 when the church ran about 200 people. They had just moved in to a brand new gymnasium when he arrived in August. Just moved into a brand new gymnasium. Finished off their church complex in August. And by December, he had already led them in purchasing the property where that church is now, which, which that church now occupies. With plans for a new building leaving behind a brand new one. When he left in 1989, they were running almost 1,500 and had been larger, but attendance had started to sag a bit. 
He was followed by Dr. Jim Deal, who would pastor that church for just three and a half years before he was elected a general superintendent in our denomination. That's the highest elected office in our little tribe. So, in November of 1993, here I come. I had no name. I was plucked from a wonderful church in Tulsa that was fighting hard to run 400 people. I was moving to a church that was four times the size of the one I had been in. And the vote for me wasn't anything to write home about. It wasn't as strong as I had hoped. Some of you were a a little maybe concerned about the vote here last week. It was 86% positive. But for the sake of illustration, if you were to include the responses from non-members who said we'd like to at least participate, it was right at 90%. My vote at Denver First Church was 89%, with 800 people voting out of that large church. That meant that over 80 people there didn't want me. That kind of hurt your feelings, you know? But I came to Colorado, and I served 16 years in that great church, and our attendance reached over 2,200. And the staff person that had served there under my two predecessors and me said that he had never seen the church so full on a consistent basis. The income climbed from under $2 million to over $4 million annually. And my last year there, we received one gift of $6 million. Why, why do you tell us that? To tell you that when I went there, I didn't have a prayer. I was overwhelmed. I was so out of my league. I was so intimidated by it and by the people that I was following in this position of leadership. But I grew into that assignment. How? Because the people in that church were holding up my arms in prayer and encouragement. And to this day, any success that we had while I served as their pastor I attribute to that congregation who made my success their responsibility. So I say to you again this morning, if you feel like you need to shop around and go, go. But if you decide to stay, and I'm assuming that you will, I hope you will make this your mantra. Pastor Matt and Jackie, we will not let you fail. But the question I have for you now is this. Can you do it again? Can we begin again? You took a pastor in Brian and you lifted him as he cared for you. You trained him. You walked with him through growing pains. And some of you grew weary at times. But you prayed and you gave and you waited on God and you watch what God can do with a guy that you give time to reach his stride. And then you outgrew the little chapel. 
and you started holding two services and you rose to the challenge to build. And even I can remember the months, no, the years, that this steel structure lay in pieces in a pile over here by a tree line on the back side of the property. But again, you prayed and you gave and you encouraged and you planned. And the day came when you entered this building and you celebrated and you dedicated this structure. And then you took a deep breath. And you rested. Not for long, but you deserved it. But now the question is, can you begin again? Can you pump up the energy again? Can you pump up the enthusiasm again? Can you do it again? Can you shake off the lethargy of these last few months, especially when it was COVID and coffee in your recliner on Sunday morning while you were in your crushed velvet robes? That's the way I pictured you. Can you rise up to face a new challenge? Can you be open to new ways and different ideas? Can you? That was my question or my approach at my first staff meeting here years ago. Or three months, whichever it was. I sat with the staff and I said, what changes can I make as the interim guy just to cause people to be aware of change so that it's easier when a new pastor comes in it's easier for him to implement change because they've kind of become accustomed to it and then COVID-19 hit and I didn't see you again so I made some changes while you were gone just a few mostly cosmetic let me mention the, a couple and the clergy robe I was wearing this morning, that wasn't one of them. That was just a mess with you. <laughs> with you gone on Sundays, the praise team would be up here leading worship as they were this morning. And I walked around the back there during that worship time. And as the music played and I sang, I moved. And Todd said, I learned to dance, and I kind of did. And I was trying to hold it back here this morning, but there is something within me now that wants to move when they're leading us in worship. And then I started, while I was walking back there and singing, I started going to the back wall and just pressing my face up against it and praying. And as I did, I was reminded of the wailing wall in Jerusalem. That wailing wall is the only remnant left of the retaining wall where they had backfilled to make sure that the place was level on top so that they could build the temple. And the Jewish people to this day go to that wall because it's the only thing left. And they pray. And while they are there, they'll take a little piece of paper and they'll write a prayer on it and they'll wedge it in between the blocks of that great wall. There, there's... There's nothing in between those, uh, those blocks. There's no masonry there. It's just a crack. And when you're there, you see that wall, and it is filled all around the edge of each one of those great stones. It is chock full of these little pieces of paper where someone has written a prayer and jammed it in there. 
So as the praise team sang, and I sang with them, and you were at home watching, and I know you weren't singing. You weren't singing. Don't tell me you were singing. I couldn't hear it. You weren't singing. But while you were at home watching, I was often standing back there and wishing I had a place to leave a tangible expression of a prayer to my Heavenly Father, kind of like the Wailing Wall. And I mentioned it to the staff, and Lori started telling us about a worship wall that she helped implement at another church where she served. So we made one. And today we have our own wailing wall. It's a worship wall. Back there on that wall, it is a place where you can leave a prayer. It's made out of wood. It, it, and there are sharpie pins there in little baskets where you can write something on that wall. And I want to tell you, I don't think Todd or Lori or any of the worship team would mind me telling you this. When we're worshiping like we were this morning and something God places on your heart to say to Him, leave where you're standing and go back to that wall and express that to Him. It's wood and it's painted. And if by chance it should ever be filled with your prayers, we'll paint it again and start over. But you might want to leave a prayer there or a word of praise or you might want to leave a word of worship. You don't have to leave your name on it. Please don't. But I'm hoping that you'll leave a word. Something that you're not ashamed to say to your Heavenly Father that other people would be able to see. The other change that I made was bring, bringing our altars in here. They were up at Golden Bell, these wooden benches here at the front. And they weren't being used there. They were in a kitchen or somewhere. And I thought, even though the floor is concrete, there might be some folks who would like to kneel occasionally when we pray. They may not stay. None of this may stay. A new pastor and you will make that decision. But for my last few Sundays, I hoped for altars. Because I'm old-fashioned that way. See, I found Christ at a bench like one of these. And some of you did as well. And it's more than just a memory. It is a place where heavenly business takes place. If you look around the building, whether in here or out in the foyer or in the hallways, you'll find the, some art adorned some of the hallways that was different than when you were last year. The foyer has a new coat of paint on the tables, but if you walked in that way, you probably walked right past the little cart. I call it the micro-mini bookstore. Assuming that I was going to be here longer than I'm going to be, I purchased that cart personally, planning to recommend books to you as I preach, and have some copies available out on that cart for purchase. There are several copies of the, the Covenant that are still there, if you remember that series. And if you forgot it after four weeks, you really need help, I tell you, with your memory. But if you see a book there that you like, you pull the book off, you look inside, there's an envelope in it, it has the price of the book, you put your money in the envelope, you put it in an offering plate or give it to a staff person, and we'll take care of it. Now, none of these things that I've just mentioned you have to stay. They're just little efforts to cause you to face change. 
that you didn't implement. An outsider did it and didn't ask for permission. And some of you may not like that, but I'm just helping you get used to it. Because there's a new sheriff coming to town and he doesn't have to ask you for permission. He's going to be your pastor. Finally, when you walked in today, hopefully, you received one of these funny looking little cups. It's a wafer and juice for communion. And I wanted to share communion with you today. Our first Sunday back. Our first Sunday together to celebrate the new chapter that we're entering. A day of beginning again. And I want you to notice something about this little cup. And let me ask, if you do not have one yet, would you just stand and the usher will bring you one? If you'll just stand, we'll make sure you get one. We want everybody to have one. But I've got to give you some instruction. You see, we did this little cup this way so we didn't have to pass trays and have you touch each other and get COVID-19 or whatever you're afraid of. This little cup is very special. And I want you to notice that it has two tabs on the top. The first one is clear cellophane. Don't pull the purple tab. Pull the clear tab. Go ahead and do it now. And you can get out that wafer. Hold that. Now pull the purple tab. You see, if you pull that purple tab first, you end up with an open cup full of juice in one hand and a wafer sandwiched between two pieces of cellophane in another hand, and you don't know how to open that up. I want to tell you something about communion today that most of you may not know as you hold those elements. Listen carefully. And perhaps you would reflect a little bit on our series on covenant. In the first century, when a young Jewish man reached the marrying age and his family selected an appropriate wife for him, he and his father would meet the young woman and her father and they would negotiate a bride price. And the price was usually high. And I reflect back on my own two daughters and think I didn't ask near enough. When the negotiation was complete, the custom was for the young man's father to pour a cup of wine and hand it to his son. And his son would then turn to the young woman and lift the cup and hold it out to her and say, This cup is a new covenant in my blood which I offer to you. In other words, it was his way of saying, I love you and I'll give my life for you. Will you marry me? And the young woman had a choice. She could take the cup and then return it and say no. Or she could answer without a word by simply drinking the cup. The act was her way of saying, I accept your offer and I will marry you and I will give you my life. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus and the disciples sat down together to celebrate the Passover. 
And the disciples knew the usual liturgy of Passover very well. They had celebrated Passover all their lives. They knew all the words. But when it came time to drink that third cup of wine, the cup of redemption, Jesus lifted the cup as the disciples would expect, and He offered the traditional Seder thanks. The same words used to this day, Blessed are You, Lord our God, King of the universe, for giving us the fruit of the vine. Jesus said that. But then He offered it to them, but He said something that they probably did not expect. He said, This cup is a new covenant in My blood, which I offer to you. It was right out of the marriage proposal. As if he were saying, I love you, and the only picture I can think of that will describe the power of my love for you is the power, is the pure love of a husband for his wife. It's hard to know what those disciples thought that night. Maybe a few of them chuckled a bit at Jesus making a, a, a marriage proposal must have seemed totally out of place at a Passover meal. And yet, perhaps they understood him saying, I love you. And as my father promised your fathers, I'll pay the price for you, whatever it is. And in response, will you love me back by giving me your love? Today, on this date, in the year 2020, He still says, I love you. I offer you my life. Will you be my bride? And it was the taking of the cup and the breaking of the bread that became this solemn moment, a moment when one looks to the Heavenly Father and says, yes, I accept your offer. I give you my life in response. It is a moment of beginning again. Perhaps some of you, not all, but maybe some of you would want to kneel here at these altars while we receive communion together. If so, I invite you to come. And we'll wait just a moment before we pray. The Bible says that he took the bread and broke it and said, take and eat, this is my body broken for you. Take the bread. He likewise took the cup and said, this cup is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. pray together our father we pause in your presence this day at a day that's been 
fairly significant for us as we have felt ostracized from our church for so long. And today we had the opportunity, Father, to gather back in this place and to worship you. Father, just to have the opportunity to be here with other members of this family, I give you thanks. I thank you for the broken body and the shed blood. I thank you for the invitation to be your bride. I thank you, Father, that we can be part of this moment and this thing which has been practiced across the centuries. And I pray today for your people as we've gathered here and others who are watching I pray that there would be an awareness of the Holy Spirit of God descending upon this place and preparing us for incredible days that are ahead. Father, I pray for the McNally family today and especially for Mike. And I pray that you will be with them as they're dealing not only with grief, but now with Mike, dealing with physical issues today as well. I pray for Pastor Matt and Jackie and their daughters. And I ask that as they come, there will be a sense of the favor of God resting upon them. That you would be close to them. That you would encourage them. That you would open great opportunities for them as they minister to us here. And I pray that you will help us as we strive to be the congregation that they need. And the congregation that can lift them as they serve. And Father, I give you thanks today for the privilege of worship. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. I kept you a little long today. I'll make it up next week. I had a lot I had to say because there's been a lot on my mind and in my heart. But as you go today, if you could help us and take those little cups You'll find some trash containers at the back. And if you'd put those in there, that would help us. And you'll also discover that we will, you'll find ushers at the back. You realize we didn't even take an offering today on purpose. The ushers will be waiting at the doors as you leave. You cannot get out until you put something in the offering plate. It's just another change I'm implementing here while we're... <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, I'm teasing, but we do trust if you feel so inclined that you would share in the offering today. And the final thing is, you could help us before you leave if you feel so inclined and you're physically able. We've never asked you to do this before that I remember. During, during my long tenure here, never asked you to do this before, but if you could... Help us by stacking some of those chairs. No more than 10 high. But if you would do that before you leave, that would be a great help as well. Would you stand with me, please? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Wish I was still wearing my robe now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. Be a peacemaker today. God bless you. You're dismissed.
and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head for love is passing by. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Lifted and carried far away, and precious blood has washed away the stain. So sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, and live. And like a newborn baby. Don't be afraid to crawl, and remember when you walk. Sometimes we fall, so fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus, and live. Sometimes the way is lonely. Steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours the rain, then cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. And oh, and when the love spills over. Music fills the night, and when you can't contain your joy inside, then dance for Jesus. Dance for Jesus. Dance for Jesus. The world goodbye. Go in peace and laugh on glory's side. And fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and live. Fly to Jesus. Jesus, fly to Jesus and live. How far are you? Close am I? I know your words are true, and I don't feel them inside. Still, I believe you'll never leave. So where are you now? You're all I have. You're all I know. Your breath is breathing in my soul. Still. I 
Cause I just don't wanna be 